This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, more information about the show can be found on our Facebook page. Just visit us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation. There you'll find out more about our next guest, Whitney Austin. Whitney was shot 12 times as she entered the Fifth Third Building on September 6th. She's here this morning to share her story. It's our pleasure to welcome Whitney Austin to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning, Whitney. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you very much. All right, good. So let's start at the very beginning. Take us back to September 6, 2018. What brought you to the Fifth Third Building? So I actually visited that building every single week for years. Louisville is not that far from Cincinnati, and so I had been working on a major project and felt it was easier to do that as a leader of the project in person at least once a week. So it was just a usual week. I I typically visited on Wednesdays or Thursdays. Of course, that was the shooting that day that really rocked the city. I read somewhere that you were, as you were walking in the building among the shooting, that People were trying to warn you. Is that how true is that? You know, a lot of things are fuzzy. So I don't know that I could, in my mind, prove or disprove that. I don't remember seeing people. The part that I regret most is that I walked into a revolving door that had still fully intact but shattered glass and a hole in the door. At the time, I didn't think it was from a bullet. I silly, you know, silly thought. I thought someone has thrown a rock at the door. But Even that wasn't enough to make me stop and not go in. I still pushed with my right shoulder into that door and entered into the revolving door. But in my defense, on the flip side of that, I was on a conference call for work, and I was very focused on the topic that we were discussing. So at what point did you realize that you were actually shot that, you know, there were actually bullets fired and you're actually shot. That was almost immediate. You know, your brain, my brain went through, you know, multiple scenarios, what could be happening to me. And it was just so obvious that these were bullets that had entered my body. And then secondly, that it was a mass shooting. It didn't, you know, no other ideas made any sense. I was certain I was involved in a mass shooting right from the beginning. What were your thoughts as you were laying on that in that revolving door? What were your thoughts? What was going through your head? I had a lot of thoughts at first. I thought, I have to get out of here. I was coughing up blood, and I knew that that wasn't good. I wasn't, mm. you know, I wasn't certain that I was dying. I just knew it was a bad situation and that I needed to get out. But I went through multiple options. I couldn't physically get up. I just didn't have enough strength to get up and walk out. I then scanned all of Fountain Square and I didn't see anybody to come save me. And then the last idea I had was, let me pick up my phone and call someone for help. But I didn't even have full use of my arms at that point because both arms had been shot. And so instead of picking up the phone and making a call, I think I barely moved my left arm and in, and even then I heard, you know, oh, I'm still on this call that I was that I was participating in. I could hear voices of, of others that were on the conference call, but I had muted the line so they couldn't hear me. And about the time that I moved my arm to try and get to my phone is when I was shot again. And so I 
quickly was convinced that the reason I got shot again was because I moved. So I just decided I'm going to play dead. I'm going to lay here and I'm going to play dead. And that was when I really felt, um, you know, in a state of despair. I didn't have any hope that there was any way to get out of this situation. I had gone through all of my options and I was feeling really bad and coughing up blood. But for me, I was so lucky to have been rescued so quickly with the record time arrival of the Cincinnati Police Department. You know, about that time is when I looked up and I saw Officer Al Staples out of the view of my um, left, out on the left, I saw him. And then I just quickly switched, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of this. This, this mm-hmm. man is going to save me. I'm going to convince him to save me. And the adrenaline was pumping all over again, and I felt as if I had a way out of the situation. Okay. And so you were shot 12 times. What was that whole recovery time like for you? Well, I'm still in recovery. Mm -hmm. um, A majority of the bullets went into my right arm and on the right side of my body, and I have had amazing medical professionals surrounding me from you know, physicians to surgeons to physical therapists to occupational therapists. And there's really not a day that goes by that I'm not doing some sort of therapy and, and even mental therapy. And so I am still in the midst of all of that, but I am very close, I'd say, to getting my functionality back in my right arm and in my left hand, which is where a bulk of the damage occurred. And then mentally, I feel wrong too, but I credit much of that to the fact that, well, two things, three things. One, I did not see the shooter. So when I collapsed in the revolving door, my eyes were looking outward to Fountain Square. I don't have, you know, a visual of him or what happened inside that building. I was just looking out, looking for help. So I think that really helps put me in a position of mental strength. Mm -hmm. The second thing that helps me mentally is, Unlike others, I am so fortunate that I got to go home and see my family again. That is all that I wanted to do. I told every person I encountered, I have a five and a seven-year-old, and you have to save me. You have to get me back to my children. And so, you know, I don't don't linger on the trauma or the horrific moments that occurred that day. I just think about how grateful I am to be able to be with my family. And then the very last thing that helps with my mental strength is I have been able to start a nonprofit to fight gun violence, Whitney Strong. And so whenever there are moments, you know, awfully enough, my second surgery on my right arm, October, I think it was 22nd, on that same day, there was a shooting in an area of town in which I was very familiar in Louisville, Kentucky. And it was very, very painful. It brought back so many memories of what had happened to me. And after about two days of just ruminating and spending lots of time reading about the victims and the shooter and everything else, I woke up and I said, no, I can't do this. I've got to turn those thoughts on. I have to focus on what I can do to solve this problem, and that's Whitney Strong. And so it's been a really great coping mechanism for me. And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. On the phone with me is Whitney Austin. Whitney was shot 12 times in the chest, 
neck, arm, torso, and foot, surviving a mass shooting at the Fifth Third Center on September 6, 2018. For more information on Whitney's story or more information about our guest or anything that you hear this morning or to join the conversation, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Now, Whitney, you just mentioned your organization, Whitney Strong. Tell us more about this organization and what you're doing. Yeah, so the goal of Whitney Strong is to reduce gun deaths through responsible gun ownership, and there are some really important words and points within that mission statement. But the first is gun deaths. So all types of gun violence are problematic. Yes, I was involved in a mass shooting, but all facets of gun violence are a problem. So we are going to fight to reduce all of them. And the second thing is responsible gun ownership. So I am a firearm owner. I support the Second Amendment, and I also support responsible gun ownership. So we're trying to find those solutions that really embody that idea. And so everything we pick up, it has to be a solution that the majority supports. And secondly, there has to be good data and evidence that those solutions will work. And so we've got three. We've announced them over the course of the last month via our website and social media. Just quickly, I'll tell you about them at a high level. The first one is suicide prevention. If you're looking at the overall number of gun deaths in our country, 60% of them come from suicide. So if you're serious about reducing numbers, you have to be serious about reducing suicides. And so we're going to stand up two programs in the state of states of Ohio and Kentucky. And one example is the Gunshot Project. And so it's pretty simple. It's this idea that you put suicide prevention literature within gun shops with the hope that you will prevent a suicidal individual from purchasing a gun. The second priority that we have is to pass extreme risk protection um, orders within both Kentucky and Ohio as well. So 14 states at this point have this law. It's oftentimes referred to as red flag law, but the idea is also very simple. In the case as a family member or law enforcement, you know someone that is in the throes of a crisis. They're looking to hurt themselves or hurt others. You have a path to remove the firearm temporarily to get them through that period of time so that they can come out better and on the other side and then continue on with their firearms. So we're launching a legislative campaign to get that passed again in both those states. And then the very last one um, is probably a bit too complicated to get into too much detail, but what it boils down to is this idea that there are still so many examples across our country of prohibited persons gaining access to firearms. Prohibited persons could be individuals convicted of a violent crime or individuals that have been involuntarily committed because of their mental state, but yet they still get their hands on firearms and then they commit crimes. And while we don't know for sure, we think there is a good chance that the shooting on September 6 was a prohibited person. So we're going to do everything we can to do an investigation into September 6. And then any other instance in which we see prohibited persons get their hands on firearms, and then that leads to death or, in my case, injury. And we'll do everything we can to continue to help the federal government understand we still have a problem. The laws are not being enforced. And if our listeners would like to find out more about Whitney Strong, how can they find out more? 
Sure, there are a couple of places. So if you are not on social media, you can go to WhitneyStrong.org to follow along. Or if you are on social media, you can follow along at WIT, W-H-I-T, Strong, Org. All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much for taking time to share with us and um, share your story and all the best in what you're doing. Thank you so very much. God bless you. Thank you for having me. You too. We've been speaking to Whitney Austin. Whitney is the survivor of a mass shooting, which took place here in Cincinnati on September 6, 2018. She joined us to tell her story. Well, that's it for this edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, for more information on Whitney or more information on any of our guests or anything that you've heard this morning or to find out more or to join the conversation, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Well, that's it for this edition of the show. I'm Rodney Lear. Until next week, be encouraged. Listen to Sunday Morning Magazine no matter what day it is. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear today.